Matthew chapter 9, and, and maybe you've, you're familiar with this passage. Um, it's, it's one of those accounts that probably takes us back to uh, Sunday school as a little kid or uh, maybe Bible school, but it, it teaches us a very important um, theological lesson, but a, a distinct uh, teaching of Christianity. And I'm sure you'll pick it out, but look for that, that as we read. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he, and he rose and went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Matthew has been recording uh, the miracles of Jesus after the, the Sermon on the Mount, the, uh, the, the, the preaching uh, of, of, of Jesus. He, he moved into, he, he sort of organized in his, in, in his, uh, his writing and in, in what he's, uh, how he's presenting Jesus originally to a, probably a Jewish audience. He, he's organized in the, in the sense of he had preaching and then he had miracles and he's, he's writing uh, in a sense an apologetic to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. That Isaiah had prophesied when, when the Messiah came, the lame would walk, the, the blind would see, the dead would be raised. But one other thing that, that, that Isaiah prophesied as well as Ezekiel was that sins would be forgiven. And so that's the key to, the whole, to this whole passage that Jesus says your sins are forgiven and that we know sin is against God, so... Only God can forgive sins. And, it, and it's a distinct teaching of Christianity that, that all men and women, boys and girls, sin, for all have sinned and, and come short of the glory of God. But and only God can forgive, but He will. So, so we, see, we, we, we see that in, in, these, in these miracles, if, if you divided them in, into sections, uh, that, that he started out healing illnesses right after the Sermon on the Mount. Remember when, 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 the, uh, when Jesus finished preaching, the crowds were astonished back at the end of, of chapter 7 because he taught as one with authority. And then he, he, he came down the mountains and, and, and went to Capernaum and, and crowds were following him. He healed the leper. He healed the centurion. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. Just, just healings over illnesses. 
things that were in maybe leprosy wasn't wasn't as common as a common cold, but it it it, it happened. It was it it was common. The centurion's uh, servant was was paralyzed at home. Peter's mother-in-law had a, had a fever that he started recording that, and then he builds with intensity that then he he they were on the a, a boat to go to the other side of the of the Sea of Galilee, and a great storm came up, and Jesus calmed the storm. See how it goes up in intensity. He he healed these illnesses, but who can stop a storm? You know, who was it, Mark Twain or somebody said, everybody gripes about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. Well, Jesus could do something about it, and he calmed the storm. It's, it's a click up in, in just the, the power and authority that Jesus has in, his, in, 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 in these miracles. And then he, they, they continue on, and they're going down this road there uh, in, in the land of the, the, the Gadarenes and, and these two men who are demon-possessed who would not let anybody cross. I mean, they, you get the idea that they've been there a while and Jesus stops them in their tracks. They recognize him. They say, what, you know, why have you come to torment us, O you son of God? And he casts the demons out. He not only heals physical ailments and illnesses, that he, he calms the storm, he controls nature, but he also controls demonic powers and, and the spiritual realm. What's the next step up? You know, if, if you were anticipating, you know, say, well, raise somebody from the dead. Well, in, 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 a, in a sense, he's done that with these healings, but it's like, to forgive sin. What is the worst thing that we hadn't changed any in 2,000 years? The worst thing that any of us um, have is sin, separation from God because of our sin. And, and he, 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 Matthew records a shorter version than uh, Mark and Luke. It's, it's eight verses. Um, Luke's about nine and Mark's about 12 verses. That, it, that it's an account that we, that we know well. He says, getting in a boat. So he's been on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and he crosses over to his own city. Well, what is his own city? You know, first guess is like, oh, 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 I know it's Nazareth. No, it's not. Not anymore. Remember, Jesus had been ministering in, in Nazareth, and, 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 and they were marveling at his teaching, and he said, you know, a prophet is not accepted in his own hometown, and they, they ran him out of town. They sought to throw him over a cliff. And so he, he left Nazareth, and he set up shop in, in Capernaum. Mark chapter 2 says that that he you know he 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 left uh, let me let me read it so that I don't just totally butcher it when he returned to Capernaum after some days so so after he he cast out those demons he's going back just after some days so we don't know how long between uh, he stayed in 
on that eastern side of, of the Sea of Galilee, but he decides to go back and he goes to his own city, which is his adopted hometown now is, is Capernaum, where, where Peter is, is living. Mark says that there were gathered together many so that there was no room even at the door. So, so they've gathered in this house and it's just packed. You can't even turn around. It's, it's, it's interesting. I had never heard that until reading uh, some, some different things this, this week that, that many uh, scholars and, and preachers, not that they're different, but, but that, that they say uh, this was probably Peter's house. It's kind of interesting. I mean, you can't prove it either way, but, it, but it's the same house in which Jesus went in, saw Peter's mother-in-law was, had a fever, and he healed her. Now they've gone back. And, and I think it's, it's probably a, a valid uh, possibility that, oh, this was Peter's house. He would be there teaching, you know, at, at, at a place that was sort of his, his headquarters. Um, that, that people heard that he was back. He's back in town. He's come back from, from the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and they've gathered there uh, to, to hear his teaching. Remember that they, they marveled that his teaching was, was such that it was unlike anything they had heard. He, he taught with, with authority. Luke records the same event in, in Luke chapter 5, and he said on one of those days he was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. So, so picture that. It's, it's, he's in Capernaum. He's in a house. Um, John MacArthur says that, that in those days, many of the people, they, they had two-story houses. And, and, and the bottom story would be uh, like the kitchen and, and, and maybe a, a table. And then upstairs, an upper room. Sound familiar? And it was an upper room that was bigger. And, and so he, he says, this is probably Peter's house. It's, it's two-story, which adds to what's about to happen, that he says he's, he's there teaching. There's scribes and Pharisees, scribes being the, the teachers of the law, and here come, but Matthew gives us a brief account. He, he's focusing on what Jesus, this miracle, your sins are forgiven. Mark and Luke, we, we know this account. They said that, that the crowds were so great that they couldn't get in. Here come four guys with their friend who is a paralytic. He can't, he can't walk. He can't, you know, we don't know why he was paralyzed. Was it an accident? Was it from birth? Was it, was it an illness? You know, you had polio then, other, other ailments one writer even pointed out that in those days, syphilis could indeed cause paralysis, that he's, he's, he's a, a paralytic. He's lying on his bed, and these four friends want to bring him to Jesus, but they can't get there. It's, 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 it's packed, you know. They're going to have to leave you know, one at a, when, when, when it's over, the people, there's so many, 
it, it's going to it's going to take a while for them to, to to get out of there. Nobody can get in. They're they're packed that closely to, to one another. So what do they do? Well, let's go home. We'll get up early and we'll go back the ne- tomorrow. No, these friends are dedicated to to helping their friend, the paralytic. So they go up on top of the house, you know. So in many cases, they had an outdoor staircase, they say, where they could get up there and, and, and get a breeze and, 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 and cool off. And they start removing the tiles from this roof. You know, there's a lot of scenes happenings in in the Bible, you wish you could be there and, and, you know, or as they say, be a fly on the wall. But just imagine if you're there and you're one of the ones in, in, in closest with Jesus. You've got scribes and Pharisees and, and may, maybe some of the, 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 the 12 that are there and some, some other people. And all of a sudden, stuff starts, you know, falling down. From, from, from the ceiling. And it's, you know, Jesus is teaching, but they're, they're going to be soon distracted and looking up. It's like, what's happening? You know, Peter, why didn't you fix this roof? And, and, and all of a sudden, these, and, and I don't know exactly how they built them, but they, uh, Mark and Luke call them tiles. They move these sections out and, 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 and light would come in. And, it, and, it, and, and this light's coming in and here comes, you can just picture maybe four ropes on the corners of this bed or this pallet, and here comes this guy being lowered right where Jesus is. And everything's quiet. It's like, what, what's going on? You know, do, do, do the townspeople, do the people there know this, this paralytic uh, I think there's a good case that they do. And it says that Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? Well, I think it's all five of them. The four that brought him and the paralytic himself, you know, did, did, he, uh, did he ask them? Or did they all come up with this? Hey, the teacher is in town. And, and he has already healed you know, many, many people. Let's take you there and he will heal you. So he, Jesus sees their faith and he says to the paralytic, take up your bed and walk. Is that what he said? No. He said, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Why is that the first thing that, that Jesus says? What is, think about this. Somebody is a paralytic, a, a paraplegic, a quadriplegic. They're paralyzed. They can't, they can't walk. They can't move their arms. What is their number one need in life? The same as everybody. The same as everybody. For their sins to be forgiven. I mean, that's... That's one of those things. You could, you could think about that a couple of hours, maybe more. What is my number one need? Gas is $4 and however many cents a gallon. And it's like, okay, I need a better car. Or I need a raise so I can buy this gas. 
Or, or think of another example. I, I, I suffer from migraines. No matter what the situation, our number one need is for our sins to be forgiven. Why? Well, otherwise, we're separated from God. Even the best person you know, you know. I mean, I, I would say, okay, my grandmother that she was a sinner, even though, you know, she seemed like she really had it together and, and, and was a very good person, but she was a, a, a sinner. And fortunately, I know that, that she was a believer and, and, and she raised her family that way and, and even her grandkids, as much as they would listen, you know, told them uh, uh, about the Lord. So his number one need was forgiveness of sin. What caused his paralysis? Ultimately, sin caused his condition. Now, was it a direct effect? Many say that it's that that because he that Jesus says it this way, that it's implied that he was paralyzed because of his sin. But it's not, it's not really spelled out that way. Later in John chapter 9, the disciples ask Jesus, they come across this blind man, and they say, who sinned, this, his parents or this man, that he was blind? And Jesus said, neither one. But that you might see the power of the Son of Man. So whether it was a direct result or if it was just because sin has entered the world, Jesus tells him, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And, and that word for take heart is, is they say it's a, the same uh, word as, as take courage, be, be, be courageous. But there are two words used in the New Testament for, for that idea of, of taking courage. One of them is, is uh, to the effect that it's like grit your teeth, uh, kind of hang on or, or suck it up or be a man, you know, just an idea of you got to do this, just grit your teeth, just, just do it. But the other one, which Matthew uses, says, means there's nothing to be afraid of. So Jesus says, take heart, there's nothing to be afraid of here. I mean, if you, if you couldn't move and you were dependent upon other people, that would be, you just, it seems to me you'd be in a constant state of fear. But Jesus says, there's nothing to be afraid of. Your sins are forgiven. And then ultimately, there's not. If he's forgiven, then he knows his, his eternal soul will be with, with God in, in heaven. So what happens after that? You like to read ahead or, or, you know, some people can guess what's going to happen in a book or a movie or a TV show, um, you know, who the bad guy is. I just get too, you know, focused on what's going on right, right there. I, I don't try to look ahead. Well, remember, Luke said there's scribes and Pharisees there. 
And so we, we, we kind of had this little foreshadowing of, okay, if the scribes and the Pharisees are there, they're going to find some fault. And so it says, they begin to, to say uh, among each other, that they say to themselves, this man is blaspheming. Now, could he have been blaspheming? Well, if he wasn't God, then yes, he was blaspheming. But Jesus is God, so he is not blaspheming. But, but they, don't, they don't view him as that, you know. Do they know the stories of these miracles, these people that Jesus has heard? Do, do they know of his, of his teaching and his preaching? And, and yet they, they start saying he's, he's blaspheming. Well, Jesus knows their thoughts. You know, he, he, he is God, but he may not have even had to use that power and ability to know their thoughts because he knows them so well that he's thinking, okay, they're not going to like this that I've told them that. You know, we, he, either way, he's, he's, he goes on and he says, why are you thinking evil in your heart? And then he asks some sort of a, sort of a rhetorical question. He says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, arise and walk? Okay, let me ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, arise and, and walk. Well, I mean, it, they bat it all around. It, it, you know, it's like, well, they're, they're, they take the same amount. You burn the same amount of calories saying one as the other. So they're, in that sense, they're easy to say. In a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a physical sense, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because what? Nobody can prove it. But if he says, rise, take up your bed and walk, I mean, you're going to know right off if, you know, if he has the authority to do that. So, so I think it's, that's, that's kind of the implied answer he's, he's looking at. And so he says, so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, rise pick up your bed, and go home. And how long did it take? He rose and went. I think, I think Mark and Luke both say immediately. You know, if we go back, when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, his sins were forgiven immediately as well. Rise, take up your bed, and walk, and immediately he gets up and he goes. I mean, well, now let's jump ahead. They, they were afraid. They, they, the, some translations say they were in awe or they marveled. Yeah. Now, wouldn't that make us marvel that here this guy, he gets up. How long has he been a paralytic? I mean, we don't know. I mean, but, it, but, but you get the idea it's been a while. And so you know if you've been laid up either for an injury or an illness that, that just the, what is it called, atrophy? Like, like your muscles kind of get weak and wobbly and, you know. And if he hasn't walked in, in years or decades or whatever it might be, they, they give you physical therapy these days. And, and, you know, they send these torturers there and they move whatever it is and they get you and you start with a walker and do this and then a cane and, and 
you don't just go in, have surgery to reset a bone or, I mean, Stephen knows that way better than me. And, and it take, takes a while, but not when Jesus heals someone, whether it be from this paralysis or from his sin, that they both happen. And he not only gets up, what else does he do? He takes up his bed, you know. So he, he takes up this bed. What, what, what is this bed? We don't really know, you know. Uh, 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 is it a mat? Is it a stretcher or something? But he, somehow he gets it and he either rolls it up, folds it up, puts it under his arm, and he, he, he goes home. And the people are marveling. Well, we would marvel too. But what else do they do? They, they glorify God who's given such authority to men. Are the people fully getting it? that this is the Messiah, they're not really getting it. I mean, some of them, but, but, but we know the scribes and the Pharisees, this just makes them all the more angry. What then can we, can we glean from this? The, the key I think to the, to the whole passage is when Jesus tells him, your sins are forgiven. He uses the miracle to, to show the crowd he had the authority to forgive sin. But he, but he wants to show the crowd, okay, if, if I'm who I say I am, to not only forgive this man of his sin, but he will be healed. If he's a false prophet, you know, it wouldn't happen. But he, he does it to demonstrate to the crowd that, he, that God has given Son of Man the authority on earth to, to, to forgive sin. One thing is, he realized their faith. He, he saw yeah. the man and I think his four friends, their, their faith. And you wonder how many of the people that were there, remember, this is a packed house, you know, uh, got that faith, you know, af even after seeing it. They believed that Jesus could heal him. They were willing to carry a guy, you know, up onto probably the second floor of a, of a house, do the work to tear off these, these tiles and let him down, and, and because they believed that Jesus could help him. Did, did they know that Jesus could help him to the degree that he did? That he helped him beyond what he imagined? And that being because he, he, he was forgiven his, his, his sin. They saw his work, his, his healing. They, they marveled, they were in awe, but they... They also glorified God. Do, do we do that? Do we see miracles 
or, or, or God's deliverance today, and do we give him glory? I mean, it, not to make light of miracles, but it, it's a good thing. It's, it's maybe not the best thing that could happen to you, but it's a good thing in the morning when you get up out of bed. Now, you know, Paul, Paul says it's, you know, it's, it's better to be in the presence of the Lord, but, but we, we still like to get up, you know. And, and after just the, the tragedy of these friends that lost triplets and just, you know, for just the miracle of birth so many times that, that, that God has, has blessed us with in a, in, in a family or, or community, but... To, to what degree do we want to see things happening to where we are willing to glorify God? Is it only something that's this super miracle type event? Or is it that everything, our, our next breath? Never put a question mark where God has put a period. We'll start in verse 9 next, next week. One, one last point. In, in Luke, he records this in, in, in chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But it's, I mean in 17. But in verse 16, we find before this happens, Jesus withdraws to a desolate place and prays. And so that, that, that in the, even, you know, in the midst of, of, of Jesus' ministry, you know, that, that very often, probably more than the writers even, even uh, recorded, that he, he went to a private place and, and, and prayed that he might be ready for the situation, but also that the people that he met would be ready for the, for the situation, that God would be moving in, in those hearts, you know. And did God answer that, those prayers by putting it in the hearts of these friends to take their paralyzed buddy to see Jesus, you know. 
and so that whatever we're about to do, it should always be preceded with, with prayer. Well, let's pray and then we'll, we'll go. Father, I thank you for your word and God just for the, the, the message that Jesus can and does for, forgive sin. God, may we be faithful witnesses and, and, and proclaim that truth that we're all separated from you because of our sin.